depending on the situation that we find ourselves in, if the stuff hits the fan, we may need to have one or more firearms available to us. In this episode, we will examine how to select the right firearm for us and several types of firearms we might want or need in an emergency situation. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in today. It's been an interesting weekend, and it feels like we've been so busy. We actually took some time to do some work around the house. And that well, what actually was felt that per- big bright thing in the sky out there today? Well, I was going to ask you, it was giving off light and heat. It was familiar. I think it was the sunshine. The sunshine. Yes, we've had like Noah quality rain here. <laughs> we have. <laughs> Flooding. <laughs> I, I was in my office the other day, and I heard somebody passing by my door, and she was telling someone else, said, there's some guy down the street building an ark. <laughs> two by two. Mm-hmm. Well, that is our way of saying we have had an inordinate amount of rain, gray skies, gloomy weather, very cold nights, a lot of wind. It's just been kind of a gloomy cloudy looking day but the sun came out yesterday and it was out again today it was and we're going to have warmer temperatures this week i'm okay with that now to digress just a moment why did noah put those mosquitoes on the ark (laughs) i know the bible doesn't specifically reference mosquitoes but they made it somehow so Mm -hmm. i think they sneaked in in the coat of a an animal of some They made kind. it somehow. Yeah. But yeah, that'd be one thing I would leave off if I were doing the ark. Maybe it was something to feed the birds, because the birds have to eat bugs. Well, if there were only two of them, they <laughs> should have been gone. True. But there may have been a whole lot more. We'll have to get a theologian and a scholar well, to help us with that. Well, I, I'm not sure they can. We'll just have to <laughs> ask when we get there. <laughs> yeah, right. As we're talking tonight, our, our topic is choosing the right firearms for prepping. Now, we recognize that many countries do not allow their citizenry to possess firearms or they place severe restrictions on owning firearms. And that also applies to some larger cities in the United States as well. We also recognize that there are some people that are totally against the private ownership of firearms. And since firearms is in the title of the episode, it's My doubts that those people are even listening tonight. Probably not. But if you are, stay with us. We're not going to try to convince you that you need to carry a gun. That is a personal choice, if we said so many times before. But there might be some information in here that you might like to know about just in case. Let's just take a break right now and mention some of our sponsors. Well, who you got in mind first? Well, I think ProLine Digital Group. You know, I think of them first when we're talking about web hosting and app creation and digital leads. It's ProLine Digital Group that does our web hosting Mm -hmm. and has been phenomenal. And we've been with them for years now, and we have never one time been down. Not not with their fault. Yeah, not their fault. I've killed it, and they fixed it. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about saying it that way. Yeah, we've done it a few times, and we've not had a minute downtime because of them, but they've had to fix my 
problem. Well, they are the pros at ProLine Digital yep. Group. And all it takes is a text or a call, and they take care of it. How about for Patriot? They are your go-to place for emergency food. They do some of that long-term bucket Mm -hmm. type of food, which is great for the intermediate or advanced prepper. And that's what they're best known for, but that's not all they have. They have a whole entire story we, you can we've shop We've done in. business with them before, and they're good folks to deal with. How about Pro One Gravity Water Filters? I was just pouring some water for dinner tonight out of our Pro One Water Gravity Filter. I really like the clarity and the cleanliness and the fresh taste that that fully filtered water does provide. And that filter is not electric. It's purely gravity fed, and it is so efficient. Yeah, and I even noticed uh, yesterday what you were talking about with it. I started filling up the cat's water bowl with it, and one of them came and stood beside me, and he went into the den and drank water from it when I put it down. Oh, the cats definitely have a they preference it. for it. How about Jim Curtis knives? Jim, Jim Curtis does make beautiful handcrafted knives. He'll make knives to order for special orders if you have a specific type of blade design or imprint or handle that you would like or the metal that you want to use you can choose your sheath i'm just give jim a call you can find his work on facebook and he's linked off of our website as are all of our sponsors we also have Clean Start. Clean Start is a concentrate, hand sanitizer, and antiseptic. It's non-alcohol based, which I really like. That means when you use it frequently, you're not going to dry out your skin. Plus, it has a three-hour post-application germ-killing efficacy. Yes, and police officers should like it because it does not interact with fentanyl. Yes. There have been police officers that have gone into overdose situations because of using alcohol-based hand sanitizer after being exposed to fentanyl. How about something like that? I mean, imagine having to learn it that way. Mm -hmm. mm. And base handgun training system. This is a video-based handgun training that takes you through what you need to know if you've never had an in-person training for handgun. Uh, you know, we all grew up shooting, or many of us grew up shooting, but we were taught by somebody who was taught by somebody, and sometimes we learn the wrong way to do things. But we also learn the right way sometimes with that, too. But not everyone has a seasoned pro at mm -hmm. their side that can help train with them. Exactly. So check out those sponsors, and if you can do business with them, please do. And if you contact them, let them know you heard it right here on Practical Prepping Podcast. Okay, let's get into choosing the right firearms for prepping. You know, choosing the right firearm is a very personal thing. I know that I've actually tried out different handguns, and I liked some grips on some and others I didn't. So it needs to be a very personal decision because what works for me isn't necessarily going to work for you. Um, consequently, what has worked for you won't necessarily work for me. Hand size, grip size, that's certainly a consideration. And it also depends on the intended use and your carry method. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons to own firearms, and there are four general categories of intended purposes of firearms. And these categories overlap, but generally these are collecting firearms, and this can be done with all kinds of firearms, all types, back into the Revolutionary War, back into Civil War. 
all types of weapons can be collected. And one of the things that I like is the old-style Western pistols, the single actions, you know, the old cowboy shooters. Mm -hmm. Those, and, and I don't know, I grew up in the era of the Long Ranger and Hopalong Cassidy, Hopalong Cassidy the, yeah. and the John Wayne movies, John Wayne. Yeah. And boy, I, I like the way he always wore his holster. Yeah. And <laughs> it was it, kind it, of slung it over to the exactly side. exactly <laughs> gunfighter style, but <laughs> it was always there and it was uh, very, very comfortable for him. Another reason is sport shooting. And this can be anything from plinking to competition. And this is what we grew up doing. We would go to the dump and we would shoot. Mm. You start out, you might shoot at paint cans. And then when you got better, you might shoot at small things. And it was just fun to go shooting. And we would go on Sunday afternoon a lot of times. Dad would take us shooting. And our range of things that we shot grew as we grew. And sometimes we jumped on more than we really needed to be at the time. And I remember the first time I ever shot a 270 Winchester, and it put me back a ways. And I remember my sister shooting a 357 from a squatting position, and it rolled her over on her back. Well, that's probably where you learned some unique differences between a handgun, a rifle, and a shotgun. So you began to learn to appreciate the accuracy mm -hmm. of a rifle, say, over a handgun, or the power of a handgun at close range over a rifle. So this is a great way to learn the differences and, and the kick power. Yes, but, but sport shooting is a very legitimate purpose for owning handguns. Certainly. And hunting. This is something we did growing up. And hunting can be shotguns, rifles, or handguns. Mm -hmm. And even today, most states will run a primitive weapon weekend or week season that you can actually use black powder rifles. My goodness. And some of the black powder rifles have been modernized to where they almost function like a hunting rifle today, but they're black powder. And so that's a little more opportunity to get into the woods to hunt. Nice. But you can hunt with shotguns, rifles, handguns. And the primary reason that many preppers and many of us that carry firearms on a regular basis is self-defense. Now, self-defense can be handguns. It can be rifles. It can be shotguns. And I've carried all three of those at different times for the purpose of self-defense. For those that didn't know, I'm a law enforcement officer, so there were very legitimate times that I had rifles and I had shotguns. And yes, because self-defense is actually part of your job. You have to defend yourself, too. Mm -hmm. My goal is to come home at mm -hmm. the end of the day. I may be late, but I plan to come home. There's been many, many times I've been late, but I've always come home so far. <laughs> Thank the good Lord. Yes, and the self-defense really depends on your situation. And we'll come back to choosing the right ones for you. But for just a moment here, let's cover some common calibers. Okay. Caliber is that word that you hear a lot of times. But for those that might be new to firearms or they're just learning or maybe they've just started training, what exactly is caliber a reference to? That's a measurement of the hole in the barrel. Okay. That's how big the bullet is. 
That's the like proje- a diameter thing. The diameter yeah. of the projectile going down the tube. So this is done in millimeters? Well, it's different ways. Oh, okay. Different ways. Uh, some are millimeters. Like nine millimeter comes like to mind. Like nine millimeter, 10 millimeter uh, comes to mind. Yes. And in some rifles, you've got seven millimeter, you've got 6.5. But those may or may not be great for prepping. But one of the things that is great for prepping, especially in a handgun, a long handgun, or in a rifle, is a twenty-two caliber. Now, that is in inches, 0.22 inches. Okay. So that projectile is almost a quarter of an inch wide. Gotcha. The next up is 38.357. And I say it that way, a 357 Magnum pistol will shoot 38 caliber rounds. But isn't it true that a 38 won't necessarily shoot a 357? It won't at all. I gotcha. They're the same projectile, they're the same case, but the 357 Magnum is longer. Ah, so it will not fit. go into yeah. the th- the 38. Gotcha. And 38's shorter. 38's a little bit shorter. Okay. And, and we're not talking much. Mm-hmm. We're talking just enough for it to hold some more powder and not go all the way into that chamber. Gotcha. And then the nine millimeter that you mentioned, that is a very popular round. It's probably the most popular handgun on the streets today. It must be because the ammo for that is hard to find. Well, it can be, but it's a lot easier to find that than it is 38 and 357. I've True. been looking for 357 for a year mm-hmm. and haven't come up with any at a price that I was willing to pay. Yeah. Now, I could find it for a dollar a round, but I'm not willing to pay that. And I do have some 38, and I'm always on the lookout for more 38. But because you can shoot 38 in a 357 or a 38 special. The next thing would be the 40 caliber. 40 caliber was a very, very popular round for a long time. It was developed, I believe, by the FBI. And I'm not certain of that. I know the 10 millimeter was. But 10 millimeter would not make a great prepping gun because it is difficult to find the ammo. And in a scrounging situation, it would be very rare to find 10 millimeter. So it really wouldn't have barter value. It wouldn't have a lot of barter value. And then the old venerable 45 ACP. The handgun of choice of World War II. Okay. The 1911. It's called a service revolver or service service, service pistol. Service it's pistol. not a revolver. It's semi-automatic. Uh, yeah, I sit corrected. Okay. Question for you. Where does a 41 fit into this? I've shot a 41 Magnum once. Mm-hmm. Well, it's slightly larger than the 40 caliber. It is a Magnum round. It's below the 44 Magnum. And it, it's a great round. I like it. But it's very uncommon to find ammo in stock for that. It is, and it's a very unwieldy gun in my hand. Well, in your hand. now That thing was a hoss. Yeah, the one I had, you would probably find it a pleasure to shoot. I've actually had a couple of them over the years, but I, I do like the round. It's a great round. It doesn't have 
the recall of a 44 Magnum. That's true. Anything so. with ma- you were t- explaining Magnum to me one time about if it says Magnum, you can expect a bigger punch. A little bit bigger punch. And I say a little bit because you can get a 22 Magnum, which is a great round. It's a almost twice the length of a standard 22 long rifle makes a very good round and if I were forced to carry a 22 for self-defense it would be a 22 magnum I see but yes the magnum generally indicates that it is a more powerful round because they put more powder in it and it has higher pressure than the standard round of that caliber. So Magnum actually is a reference to the bullet itself, not the gun. To the case. To the case. Yeah, I'm to, saying to the to the, to the ammunition. Right. Okay. And, and it's it's a usually longer. It just packs more wallop. And it packs more wallop. <laughs> gotcha. So, anyway, a 44 uh, special and a 44 Magnum are the same diameter exactly. And again, you can shoot 44 specials in a 44 Magnum, but not vice versa. So to recap on this, there are many other great handgun calibers, but the ammunition for these that you have mentioned in this segment will be easier to find or barter or trade or locate for just basic use. Right. That being the 22, the 38, 9 millimeter, 40, and 45. Okay. Now, the same thing applies with rifle ammo. Okay. There are a gazillion calibers out there, and there are new calibers coming out all the time, and some wildcat loads are made with those, and by that, I mean it's a a round that you're not going to buy in the store. It's custom made in your presses and things. Oh, yeah, for people that are doing their own reloads and things like that. Own reload, but they're reloading to a different caliber. Oh, that sounds very (laughs) prepperish. Something prepper. Well, it'd take a long time to load enough ammo in in something like that. I'm sure. There are some great, great calibers out there, and What I've done going through here is look at what would be very useful to the prepper, what we can find ammo for today. Good point. And likely to be able to find ammo if we are put into a stuff hits the fan situation and we're either having to scrounge or we're having to barter. Gotcha. So that's the reason that I've chosen the calibers that I have. 22 caliber. Stands to reason. We'll go deeper into that in a few minutes. 22 Magnum. The 223556. I see that everywhere in prepper magazines and yes, forums. That's the AR 15. Mm-hmm. Now you can get other rifles that shoot that round. You can get a single shot that shoots that round. Mm-hmm. Now I don't want to be in a gunfight with a single shot. I understand. I really don't like being in a gunfight anyway. That's right. But this is the AR 15. And this is the most popular sporting rifle in the world today. Gotcha. Very, very common. Lots of ammo available for it. Again, 243. And I put 243 on here because it's a good deer cartridge, mid, mid-size game. It's relatively controllable when it comes to recoil. It's good for youth. And I know women that shoot 243 because it is less recoil. Stepping up from that with a little bit more power is the 270. 
270 is a rifle that I have hunted many, many times with and killed uh, quite a few deer with it. And it's a little bit more powerful than the 243. It's between the 243 and the 30-06. And 30-06 is on this list as well. 30-06, very common round. You can find it in the hunting section today. But there's a lot of folks that have 30-06s back in the closet, and they'll have a box of 30-06 ammo. So if we're into a barter or scrounging situation, it's not a bad caliber to have. Hmm. Plus, it will take any animal in North America. So it's a good hunting rifle for that. Okay. But for years, the 3030 was the most popular deer hunting rifle. This was the Red Rider BB gun of grown folks. Okay. Okay. If you're going to be a serious deer hunter. That or, you know, you, you start out deer hunting and... You can. That's what you want for a rifle. Okay. Right? Like, this was the one they aspired to have. Exactly. This was the dream rifle. Right now, thirty out six kicked too much, and all of that. Thirty thirty, especially the lever action, that was the gun to have. And there are many, many thousands of those guns around, and there are boxes of ammo sitting on shelves above those guns. Hmm. So it's a good caliber for deer. It's a good caliber for hunting pretty much anything that will hunt in the lower 48. Then you can step up to the 308. Now, the 308 is actually the 7.62 by 51. And it's a great round. It's also the round that shoots in the AK 47 or AK 74 is the semi automatic version. Okay. So there are a lot of those around. Now, there are other 7.62s. You've got the 7.62 by 39 or by 35 or by 54R, which is a Russian version of the 7.62, and it's also available in the AK versions. But that's the primary ones that I chose because of the availability and the usefulness of those. Let's go to handguns for EDC self-defense. Well, let's talk about having a quality handgun. You know, quality, that's basically in the eye of the beholder. It really doesn't make a difference what the cost of the handgun is because there can be some expensive handguns, but their quality may actually be a bit lacking. And then there are some very, very inexpensive handguns that are exactly what you pay for. They're cheap guns and they're a cheap shot and they're just not that great at all. Well, the thing here is that they must be reliable. Yes. They must go bang every time. Let me give you an example, and there'll be folks that will disagree with me on this, but let me give you an example of a high-quality gun that is not great for prepping circumstance. Okay. And that would be the German Luger. Ah. And the reason being is that it is built to such close tolerances that it doesn't take a whole lot of dirt in there to jam that gun up. Okay. It's almost too precise. It's too precise to some (laughs) degree. And then you take the old US 1911, the 45 ACP, you shake that thing and it rattles. (laughs) (laughs) And I've shown you that with mine. It does rattle. But you can stick it in a bucket of dirt, pull it out, clean the barrel out, and it will fire. 
Okay, so super reliable in in a variety of circumstances. Exactly. But it must be a quality handgun, and we're defining that quality as one that will go bang every single time. Mm-hmm. It's also got to be comfortable to carry. Exactly. If it's not comfortable, you're not going to carry it. Exactly. And it's kind of like a seatbelt or car insurance. When you need it, it's too late to get it. Oh, I see what you did there. Exactly. You can't call during the wreck and buy insurance. (laughs) Or just after. (laughs) You can't start putting on the seatbelt during the wreck. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have it ahead of time. Now, there are some calibers that some folks feel like are a minimum caliber to carry. Now, we can get an argument going with this, okay? okay. <laughs> because this is, you know, which is better, Ford or Chevrolet? Oh, yes. I mean, them's fighting words. <laughs> you, you can get you get all kinds of answers with that. What's the best car to carry? Well, it depends. I mean, yeah. no, not to carry. What's the best car to drive? Well, it depends. There's a lot of things, and there's a lot of trade-offs in here. And I know some guys that say, you know, I won't carry anything that doesn't start with a four, which is a 40 caliber or a 44 or 45. 45. Yeah. You know, all my favorite calibers start with four. Is that the Dirty Harry gun? The Dirty Harry is Uh, the Model 29 Smith & Wesson 44 Magnum. I I remember him saying that in the movie. Beautiful, beautiful gun. Pleasure to shoot with 44 Specials. It uh, doesn't have near the kick with a forty-four Special as it does with a forty-four Magnum. Oh, yeah. But it is a <laughs> sweet, sweet gun. Now, I have settled on thirty-eight or three-eighty as a minimum caliber. So for self-defense, I want to carry a thirty-eight, three-eighty, or larger. Okay, and why is that? Well, that's just what I feel like is the minimum I have done research on ammunition, and the quality of the ammunition has come up so much, the technology to where, and this will get an argument, there's really not a whole lot of difference in the 380 and the 9mm today. Mm. But anyway, that has long been my minimum carry calibers. Okay. And of course, you you know, that is your opinion, but yeah. it's a, it's based on the research. It, that it's you based on my own research. Mm-hmm. Now, will a 22 kill? Absolutely. Probably been more people killed over the years with 22s and 25s than any other handguns mm-hmm. because that's what people carried for many, many years. Right. But the key to this whole thing is stopping power. Now, there's a misnomer of knockdown power. I've heard people say, carry a 45 because if you hit them in the hand, it's going to knock them down. Well, not really. Mm. Not really. But the whole idea here is that stopping power, and that stopping power depends on shot placement, and it depends on blood loss and central nervous system disruption. Oh, wow. And larger calibers make bigger holes. Yeah, it's not neat and painless like you see on TV. No. I mean, shooting someone is a very serious enterprise and should only be done when you know that you have a threat against your life and safety or if you're standing in for the defense of a helpless other person whose life and safety may be threatened. Yeah, you're trying on, to stop on, that threat. Only when somebody's life is in danger and you feel like it's imminently in danger are you allowed legally and I think morally, to fire. Mm -hmm. But worse than firing is getting shot. Yes. So Understood. But anyway, 
That That's what stopping power really comes down to. Now, there are a couple of actions that you can carry. And for self-defense purposes, I would say either a double action or a semi-auto. Okay, so break those down. This is not the time for a single shot or a single action only, you know, cowboy action pistol. Will it do the job? Yes, but a double action, all you have to do is pull the trigger. Yes. Semi-automatic, all you have to do on the Glock or those with the striker and trigger safety is pull the trigger and others, you just flip the safety off and pull the trigger and it fires. So double action, you don't have to cock it, just pull the trigger and it will work. There are double action semi-autos. You either want one that is double action or you want a semi-auto when it comes to uh, what you're carrying for self-defense. The best handgun is the one with which you are proficient and have with you. That is a very important statement. It is. Proficient being a big key there. I can shoot a forty-four Magnum, and I'm pretty good on that first shot. But I don't control that recoil and know where that second shot's going to go. I'm just, I've never really practiced that much with a forty-four to learn to control that thing. Here's the point. If all you can control is a twenty-two, then carry a twenty-two. Okay. If you can't handle the recoil of a, another gun, you're not proficient with another gun with a larger caliber, then carry that twenty-two. A twenty-two is better than no gun at all. However, if I'm forced to carry the twenty-two, I want it to be the twenty-two Magnum. So I think it was Ruger that came out with a 30-shot twenty-two Magnum. Gracious sakes. Now, that's a lot of lead coming at me. Sure is. So I really wouldn't have that big of a problem if I had to carry the twenty-two. But keep in mind, you don't have as much stopping power there. Right. And I think it was Ruger that came out with a 30-shot twenty-two Magnum. <laughs> and that would be a pretty good weapon if you're recoil-averse not able to handle the larger caliber. That's a lot. Let's take a short break for our sponsors, and we'll come back and talk about specific uses of various guns. A food shortage could be coming. Even in the United States, economic experts wrote at the end of the summer crop season. Farmers sense it, too. John Boyd, Jr., a fourth-generation farmer, told Fox News that, quote, We're going to see empty food shelves in the coming months, end of quote. That's why survival food is more important than ever. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good-for-25-years super survival food, hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the USA and giving jobs to over 200 Americans. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, and they stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And right now, you can go to fourpatriots.com and use code PREPPER to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You'll get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. 
They're called For Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support veterans and their families. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use code PREPPER to get 10% off. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the discount code PREPPER and start building your own food stockpile today. Are you tired of the taste of the water coming from your faucet? Do you ever wonder what is causing that taste? Did you know that treated water on municipal systems often has residue of chlorine effect? There's also bacteria. There are heavy metals. There's a vast number of different things that can add some form of taste to the water. And in some municipalities, you can actually see a color in a clear glass. Oh, it passes the quote-unquote safety test, but there's still something in there. Would you like to have crystal clear, clean, great-tasting water? Pro One Gravity Water Filters will give you just that. We have the Pro One Big Plus, and we use it daily. It makes our water taste better, and it even makes the coffee and the tea taste better. Pro One is also our backup water plan, just in case stuff hits the fan and the city's water system becomes contaminated or shuts down. If it really hits the fan and there's no water, we can source water from a nearby creek or the river, and we can run it through our Pro One filter, and we'll have clean water. Pro One filters come in several sizes to meet the needs of your family. They are affordable, and through December 31st of this year, the Pro One Gravity water filters are 25% off, and there's free shipping on all orders over $69.95. Pro One Gravity Water Filters. The link is on our website, practicalprepping.info. We all love the internet, right? We love it so much that we knowingly take risks every day while doing little to protect ourselves online. We do this because most security tools are complicated, expensive, or just plain bad. We're excited to tell you about our new sponsor, Aura. Aura is a digital safety service built for modern threats. It's an all-in-one solution that monitors and protects your identity, finances, devices, and more from digital deadbeats. Aura is on a mission to create a safer Internet. And for Aura, that not only means creating the best security tools, it means making it so easy that you'll actually use it. Keep your connection private on public Wi-Fi with one-click encryption. Quickly know if someone has attempted to use your identity or credit without your permission with alerts to your app, phone, or email, up to four times faster than competitors. Also, Aura doesn't just catch threats, they help you resolve them. With 24-7 U.S.-based support and dedicated resolution agents, Aura's team will work with you to resolve fraud issues, even if it means getting on a three-way call with your bank at midnight. All plans come with all the features you need to stay safe, with no add-ons or extras needed. Just choose whether you want to protect yourself, two adults, or your whole family. Plus, the price you pay when you sign up is the price you pay when you renew. Aura won't raise your prices in year two, hoping you won't notice. Aura keeps their plans affordable, so you stay protected. Now for a limited time, Aura is offering Practical Prepping Podcast listeners a 14-day trial, plus a check of your data to see if you've already been part of a data breach, all for free 
when you use the link on our website. Go to practicalprepping.info, click on the Aura link, and sign up for a 14-day free trial and to see if you've already been part of a data breach for free. That's practicalprepping.info. Click on the Aura link and sign up for a 14-day free trial. Certain terms apply. See their site for detail. Welcome back. We're glad that you're sticking with us. We're going to talk now about handguns for hunting. See, I hadn't thought about a handgun for hunting. I've hunted with a handgun. Uh, I've yet to take a deer with one, Hmm. but I've tried and actually I haven't seen deer close enough to shoot with a handgun when I've been carrying them. Because accuracy might be one issue. Yeah, because if you miss the deer, you're not taking it home. That's for (laughs) sure. (laughs) But yeah, and we want to be good with our shot placement. Uh, You know, we don't want to leave a wounded animal in the woods if it is all possible. But a long barrel, and I'm talking six or more inches, of a 22 or 22 Magnum is a great handgun for hunting. It's good for small game like squirrels and rabbits. Possums, beavers. (laughs) Beaver. And never tasted beaver, but I understand the old guys ate it back when. I suppose so. They ate pretty much anything they could get, muskrat and whatever. And 22 or 22 Magnum, long barrel. Whatever action you want, double action, single action, semi-automatic, doesn't matter, but a a good long barrel. And I say long barrel because the longer the barrel, the more accuracy you tend to have. Mm -hmm. I would also say a large bore, four to six inch barrel, 357, 44, 45 long colt if you need to hunt deer. Now, again, with a long colt, the 45 long colt, good round, but there could be an ammo issue in trying to find ammo for that. Okay, so you're talking about you could use a, when you say large bore, you're talking about the actual circumference of the barrel itself. Yes, the the inside, the hole in the barrel. Yeah, gotcha. It's the hole in the barrel and the bullet going down the tube. So that would be able to take down a deer, deer deer-sized animal. Mm -hmm. Uh, like a maybe a black bear. Black bear are not as big as, say, a grizzly. Right. We're more likely to see a black bear right. in Alabama, and they can be about the size of a St. Bernard, you know, about a big or, dog. Or Yeah, or a little bigger. Yeah, a little bit. Something depends. You've got black bears and brown bears, but 357, 44, 45 long colt, it will take them down. So you can hunt with that round. Now, if you're in grizzly territory, I would say 44 or larger. Oh, definitely. It's a much bigger animal, so much more to get through to mm-hmm. try to hit it. People think bear, if they're not that familiar with it, bear can move pretty swiftly. So you've got to be quick. That, I, I think I heard somewhere about 35 miles an hour in short burst, and they, I can't a, run that. A bear can run a full football field in six seconds, hmm. a full hundred yards. From point to point, they can make it in six seconds. Hmm. Too bad they can't draft them for the NFL because a lot of teams could use a runner like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying that. I wonder what they can do in the four in the the 440. <laughs> the or, Olympics. Or the, the 40 yard. We are really getting in the woods now, aren't we? We really are. But now carrying a 44 with a grizzly. You do need very good shot placement. About how far away do you need to, do you want to be, I should say, when you're trying to hit a grizzly? Three feet or more, preferably more. Preferably a lot. <laughs> yes. I'd, I'd say 10 times that plus. Yes. 
uh, if he's not coming at me, I'm not going to mess with him. I understand. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't want him right up on me. And I don't want to be shooting at him at 75 yards. I would love for our listeners who have ever had a personal encounter with a grizzly specifically, or I'll even extend that out to a Kodiak or a Polar, the big bears, the big guys, the big ones. I would love to hear your close encounter story and what happened. Oh, I would too. Now let's move from the handgun to the long gun. The long gun is either a rifle or a shotgun, and there are two primary purposes for each. Let me guess. Protection is one. That would be one. And the other would be hunting to provide food for the table. To put food on the table. And the bear could be both. Yes. We've recently finished a series where people were hunting bear up in Alaska to eat and to also make use of their skins mm-hmm. and furs. Mm-hmm. And if I'm protecting myself from a bear, I would prefer to have a rifle. Buddy of mine used to have a forty-four Magnum lever action. No kidding. That was sweet. Almost no recoil to it. God. And it, it was a great gun. But that's your two primary purposes of the rifle and the shotgun is protection, putting food on the table. Now let's talk about home protection for a minute. When we look at the rifle for home protection, the two two three is the most popular today. And we're talking the AR-15, that there are probably 30 million of them in American hands now. I have shot the AR-15, and I will tell you that I enjoyed it very much. It was a comfortable shooting gun. It was a almost almost no recoil. Very accurate. Very, very accurate shooting gun. It was a pleasure to shoot it. It is, and she shoots it till the bolt locks back. So if it's got a 30-round magazine... She's going to shoot 30 rounds. If it's got a 10-round magazine, she's going to shoot 10 rounds. Mm -hmm. So if y'all know where I can get some five-round magazines for (laughs) her practicing and shooting it on the range, you know, that might save on the ammo. Save a little money. (laughs) Then we move to the shotgun. Now, the shotgun, when it comes to home protection, there's a lot of schools of thought here. But most would say double-alt buck or triple-alt buck. Explain the differences there. The difference is that triple alt buck is just a little bit smaller projectile size. I believe it's 12 rounds of 32 caliber projectiles, balls, that are in the double alt buck. I got you. In the shell, you're talking about. Inside the shell, Mm -hmm. yes. So when you fire it, I believe it's 12 that are in double alt buck. Could be nine. It's been a while. It's been a long while. But you've got more projectiles. Now, keep this in mind. It spreads only about one inch for every yard that it travels. Oh, so So if you're trying to shoot something 50 yards away. That's a little bit long for shotgun with double long buck. Right. 35, 40 yards. Okay. But I've heard people say, just point it down the hall and pull the trigger and you'll get anything in that hall. Not really, because if your haul is 24 feet long, then you've got, that's what, eight yards, three times eight is 24, unless they've changed it again. So you're saying it's going to drop an inch? Not drop. It's going to spread out. Oh, spread out. It's going to spread out. So you've got about an eight inch spread spread of lead. Okay. Now, is it possible to miss a person? With an eight-inch spread 
at 24 yards. Well, if it's if it's aiming to their shoulder, it might graze oh, them. Oh, you used a, a, a word there that changes it, aiming. Ah. What I said was some folks say with a shotgun, you just point, point it down the <laughs> hall, pull the trigger, and you take care of everything in the hall. So pointing is not the same you, as aiming. You need to aim that shotgun gotcha. just as much as you do a rifle. And the double, uh, the triple alt buck is a slightly smaller and a slightly more projectiles in that particular shot. Now, when we go to pistol for home protection, I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of discussion of what type of ammo. And I always say standard duty ammo. Find out what the police carry. The police in your location, what do they use? What do they carry? couple of reasons. One, it's going to be a good round. Yeah, they're going to they're going to want the best reliable. It's, it's going to be a good round that they're carrying. Number 2, if you go to court after having been involved in some type of shooting, you just found out what the police carried because you know they carry a good round and so you bought what the police carry. It keeps you from having to defend the round that you carry. Really? To some degree. Huh? But don't carry an ammo that has a name like a zombie killer. Oh, I see what you mean. Like some some of these like Maverick style ammo brands mm-hmm. that, that may cast dispersions maybe on your well, character it, or sanity. <laughs> it, it, it sa- yes. It, it says that this round is designed to kill. Yeah, I see what you mean. Where... All the other ammo, we're not out to kill anybody. We're no. out to stop the threat. Right. The other thing that I would say is to carry factory loads and not reloads. And I can see you being involved and maybe, and I used to load reloads a lot lower than standard pressures for that handgun caliber. I loaded it for competition. I wanted less recoil and things like that. But what I didn't want to have to do is to be in court after an unfortunate shooting situation and the prosecutor is saying there wasn't a bad enough bullet on the market. So he had to develop his own, even though I loaded it lighter. I see, because that may may or may not come out and be an issue. Right. But if it's a reload, it's something else they can use against you to make you look worse in court. I see. I just bought what the guy behind the counter suggested. Mm -hmm. I told him I wanted a good self-defense handgun round, and this is the box he handed me. Okay. So that takes that out. It's not that what was available was deadly enough for you. You had to go and make your own. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they can actually misconstrue the characterization. Exactly. And so carrying factory loads cuts that out. Carrying what the police carry cuts a lot of that out. Yeah. Or what the guy behind the counter recommended cuts that out. All right, how about hunting? I grew up hunting, loved to hunt. Krista has indicated that she wants to start or at least experience hunting. Yes, I haven't been hunting personally, so I don't have an opinion about it yet. I'm open to the prospect of hunting, but until I actually participate in a day or weekend of hunting, I I cannot form a, what I call a reasonably intelligent decision on whether or not I want to continue to do so or not. So uh, that's going to come up, I hope, this year. 
Well, uh, it, we're coming out of hunting season this year. Mm-hmm. We'll still have turkey season to come, but then we'll be geared up for next year for deer season to get you into the woods and to get you into the woods before it's 25 degrees for a high for the day. You know, you mentioned turkey. If I ever take a turkey, I will have done something, won't I? You will. Because turkey hunting is hard. It's hard. It's fun, <laughs> but it's hard. All right, let's talk about the rifle. You know, you can take any size game with the appropriate caliber. Yeah, I think we did bring that out, but let's talk about that a little more. Well, I mean, you can take anything from squirrel to elephant mm-hmm. with the appropriate caliber. Is there such a thing as an elephant gun? Well, yeah, um, <laughs> referred to it as that, but you're up into the 460s, 500s. I mean, you're yeah. talking a half inch of lead coming down the barrel. Yeah, I mean, it's an elephant. It, it's an elephant. I think I understand they got 15 inches of skin. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My, my thing is see the elephant at the zoo. Yeah, don't try and to And since they're not in the wild here, I don't worry about them too much. <laughs> but that 22 for small game. 243 or larger for the mid-sized game, the deer, the antelope, or the 30 out 6 for the elk or the bear. Yes. You can take anything in North America with a, with a 30 out 6 But there's some things on the African continent that will sneeze at it. So. Oh, yes, yes. I had some friends that used to fly into Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and they would go on a hunting trip. And they would specifically be hunting a type of an antelope. Mm-hmm. And I used to hear them talking about just the fun adventure they would have as a group to go and fly into this little spot and go to a specific hunting spot and take some of those Wyoming antelope that they've heard so much about. And they would actually uh, process them and taxidermy them and bring as much meat back and as many trophies back as they could. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. Lots of fun. Now we go to the shotgun. Shotgun, we talked a little bit about the wide choices of the ammo, the double-alt buck for deer at closer ranges. You can also shoot a one-ounce slug out of a 12-gauge, and that is one ounce of lead going down the barrel. Wow. And that will take down anything in North America. I bet that would kick. Not really Really? much more than a standard 12-gauge round. Okay. But that is an option. You also have field loads. This is where the versatility comes in. You can use number four shot for turkey. You can use six for rabbit or squirrel. You can use number eight or nine for doves, quail, things that... I've heard the term bird shot. Mm -hmm. Is that what they're referring to? That's exactly what they're referring to. Okay. And this will have like an ounce to an ounce and a half of bird shot in that shotgun shell. And it comes out and it spreads out. And Is that what you use when you go dove hunting or quail hunting? That's what you use when you go quail hunting or you go dove hunting. And I'll tell you, in my experience, dove are easier to hit than quail. <laughs> I bet so. Let's talk about selecting the right firearm to actually make the selection. How do we go about that? First, we want to learn the four rules of firearm safety. And the first and most important rule, treat all firearms as if they are loaded. Too many people have made the mistake of pulling the magazine out of a handgun, and the assumption that they have is that there's no round in the chamber, and there was. Mm -hmm. We know that has happened. We know of people that's happened too. So never, ever assume the gun is not loaded. Just treat it as though it were. And check it if somebody else hands it to you. Absolutely. If I hand Krista one, she'll check it. 
She'll trust me if I say it's hot, mm-hmm. like we're on the range and I've handed her one that's hot. She'll trust that. Yeah. But if I tell her it's empty, she'll check. And that's her responsibility. Right. Somebody gives you a firearm, says that it is empty, check it. Check it. It's just just treat it because it's that important. Rule number two, never let the muzzle point at anything that you're not willing to destroy. They call that sweeping the target. Don't sweep the barrel of a gun across the field of where a person is standing or sitting Mm -hmm. or an animal that you don't want to shoot. Never do that. Always point the gun down to the ground. Generally, that's the safest way or up to the sky, but never sweep it across a person or an animal's body. Number three, keep your finger off the trigger until your sights are on the target and you've made the decision to shoot. Mark has taught me to take my trigger finger and leave it straight along the trigger housing, but not on the trigger. It's beside it. Mm-hmm. When I'm ready to shoot the gun, then my trigger finger changes from a sidelong position of straight to that position of squeezing the trigger. And number four, be sure, be certain, be absolutely convinced of your target and anything that could be behind it. I've got a good illustration of that. My cousin and I were hunting together. We were early 20s. And there was a particular area that I was often hunting in, and he was up on the road waiting for me. And a rather nice deer came out, probably 50 yards from him, easy shot. But the place where I usually hunted or often hunted was behind that deer. He passed up on the shot because he did not know that I was not in there. Turns out I was in a totally different location, came walking out of the woods from the other direction. But he didn't know that. He didn't know. And for safety purposes, he passed on a nice deer to keep there from being any danger. Smart move. Be sure what's behind. What's going to happen if you miss what's back there? Yeah, that bullet's going somewhere. Is it a school bus full of kids? You know, be Mm -hmm. careful about what your background is. Now, you need to decide on what you want or need this particular firearm to do. Is it for everyday concealed carry? Is it for home protection? Does it sit beside the bed or in a drawer versus being carried every day? And Krista has come up with something that she's found for one that sits by the bedside. Yes, I was watching a video of a product called Stopbox, and it's made by the Stopbox company. This is a bedside handgun container that's locked, and you have to have a code and a thumbprint in order to open it. It's not something a child can break into. It's completely safe. But in a crisis situation, in a fast-moving situation where you have to be up and out and defend your family, it can be opened and your handgun can be accessed within a second or two at the most, which is not that long of a time, but it's a great container to have when you want to have the ready protection, but you also want uh, your children or unauthorized persons, strangers or guests in your home to not have access to your handgun. It's only something you can access. So it's called stop box. And a lot of people are looking into it while they're also helping to train their own children 
those that have made the decision to train their children or have their children professionally trained with firearms so that they still never lose their respect, but also are quite familiar and completely respectful of what a firearm is and what it can do. Now, I've had many people over the years, I used to do a little bit of sideline work in a gun shop back many, many years ago, and a lot of folks would come in and ask the question, what firearm should I buy? This is my first gun. What firearm should I buy? Well, there's no one size fits all. There's just no one right answer for everybody. I know all you have to ever do is go into the gun store and look in the cabinet and you should see a hundred plus or more examples of all the different types of firearms that are available. And you'll realize You know, there is no one-size-fits-all. Yeah, some are too small, some are too big, some are too heavy to hold. Sounds like the three bears. You need to find the one that's just right. Yeah, because it needs to fit you. Mm -hmm. Now, in fitting a gun to you, what are some limitations or concerns that you might have? In our family, Krista has some arthritis in her fingers, in her hands. Mm -hmm. She has difficulty racking a semi-automatic, an adequate size semi-automatic. And by racking, what I mean is holding the gun, pulling the slide back, letting the slide go to load another round, to put a round into the chamber. And I've shown her some easier ways, but her hands, it still hurts for her to chamber that round. And that Walther PPK was the worst. Was I mean, it? it's a great gun. I love that gun, but it was very difficult for me to slide that rack. Smith & Wesson came out with the EZ, and we got her a 380 EZ, and that EZ stands for easy. Yes, it's, it's easy to rack. It is. It's it's a night and day difference. Mm-hmm. We took it out on the range, and I was training with it, and I immediately could sense the difference in it, and it just made it so much more of a pleasure to be able to hold and to rack and then shoot that gun. So reloading loading and reloading is much simpler for her. Now, they have since come out with the 9mm EZ. And that's on my list. And it's, and that could <laughs> show up in the gun cabinet for you. It really, really could. Another considerations are what carrying options are available. Yes, and there's uh, women have been addressing this issue. There are some women that purchase a concealed carry handbag. And that's certainly a viable option if that's comfortable for you and that's the way it'll get you to carry one, by all means. Other women carry a belt loop style, clipped on, like gun belt style holster, traditional holster. I don't have clothing with belt loops. I don't, I think I have a pair of jeans that have belt loops, but I don't wear a belt. She doesn't even own a belt. No. And so therefore, how am I going to carry, how am I going to carry comfortably concealed carry a firearm? So I discovered the belly band by the Comfort Tech Company. And it's a very easy access, very adjustable belly band. It uses very strong Velcro. It has room for not only the firearm and a safety snap to go over so it won't fall out if you're crouching or bending over. And it has a separate pocket for an extra magazine as well. And I find that to be so comfortable that about two minutes after I have strapped it on, I don't feel it anymore. I can adjust where that firearm is, where I can access it easily. Do I need to carry it at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock? And so you can make up that decision yourself. And so for the ladies out there listening, 
I find the belly band works for me. And I don't care if I'm wearing a shirt, dress, pants, or whatever. That belly band is accessible and comfortable, and I feel very secure wearing it. But there are other options, and that is inside waistband, outside waistband, the the belt loop holster she was talking about, shoulder holsters, Mm -hmm. pocket holsters. Ankle holsters. Ankle holsters. I don't like an ankle holster because I keep banging my other ankle. (laughs) Uh, And I've got bony ankles. Yeah, (laughs) right. um, The pocket holster is good for very small, concealable handguns. But whatever gun, if you're carrying it in a pocket, it must be in a holster. A couple of reasons for that. One, to keep things from getting down the barrel. And another is to protect that trigger. So yes. that, those are some things. Now, a lot of ranges will rent firearms to you. What I'm going to suggest is you go tell them what your intentions are. And if you're unfamiliar with firearms, invest in an hour with an instructor. And let him or her suggest several firearms, then buy a box of ammo and shoot each one of those firearms. Hopefully it's all the same caliber. Now, when I took Krista first getting her acclimated to the various options with carrying a gun, we went to the range and I carried a number of weapons that we own or that I borrowed. And I let her shoot different ones. Now, 40 caliber Model 35 Glock, the tactical full-size Glock, she found that a pleasure to shoot. But I handed her a 27, which is the baby Glock, and about the second round, she said, nope, and handed it back. I didn't like the grip. And My hand is large. Well, you're talking about the 43. Oh, the, okay. I was talking but about the one. It this, jumped in my hand. It jumped so much. And yeah. then you shot the 9mm, the 43. And it just almost jumped out of your hand. And so one one round, she handed it back and said no. Yeah. Mm-mm. And one of the reasons there is the heavier the gun, the less the recoil with the same round. Right. With the same round. Right. If you can get those in the same caliber, buy a box of ammo and go shoot them. And if you're going to carry a firearm supported by a belt, either inside waistband or outside waistband, get a good holster, not one that comes from the end cap at a big box store. And get a good belt designed for supporting a firearm. Yeah, just any leather belt's not going to do the job. No, 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 no. It really needs to be a gun belt. It, it does. And there are several companies that make those, Crossbreed being one, the Beltman is another. And there are others. But get one that is designed for carrying or supporting a gun. And you will be amazed at the difference that it makes. I went years and years. I just bought clothing store rack belts, and and that gun would get kind of annoying before the day's out. But I tell you what I've done with a 1911 45 ACP inside a crossbreed super tuck deluxe and a beltman gun belt. I've worn that 45 for 14 hours and pretty much forget it's there. And how long have you had that gun belt? Uh, that one, and I'm probably needing to start looking at replacing it. I've probably had that one for about 12, 14 years. Okay. And so it, it's a lot more than you expect to pay at the discount store for a belt, but it'll last you so many times more, even if you're not wearing a gun with it. Second thing is get some firearms training. Right. I had to have a class. I had to have an eight-hour class in North Carolina in order to get my concealed carry permit. But 
that class alone was not training, even though we were able to shoot and we were out there on the range. My at, from the beginning to the end of my shooting was not even five minutes, mm-hmm. but I had to have eight hours of class. And uh, that was a very informative class. And I'm glad that I took that class, but that by no means qualifies me as trained with that firearm. Training with a firearm is about like training with anything else. I'm also a practiced musician, but I didn't get to be that musician without training. And I mean, we're talking years, hours and hours and years of training to become even as proficient as I am. And believe me, I need more training. And I've been playing piano over 60 years and I could still use some training Mm -hmm. Because And I want to feel that firearms is no different, that something that's as serious as a firearm requires training. Well, we go through training every year, and some departments just go to the range and qualify. That's not training. Our department runs us through drills each time we go. I mean, we'll spend a full day on our range day, and we'll do rifle and pistol. And they'll run us through various exercises time and time again, because we're developing muscle memory and we're learning new techniques and we're picking up on things that we missed last time. Invest in a class. Invest in an hour or two with that instructor. There are local ranges that have uh, various classes that they put on. There are some that are geared just for the ladies, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of times ladies would prefer being in the company of other women, and they would like a female instructor. And And Jan Morgan mm -hmm. is a tremendously good female instructor. Mm -hmm. She is in Arkansas, and it would be well worth going and taking a three-day class with her. Tiger McGee here in Alabama world-respected firearms trainer. We have a local range here in Huntsville that has uh, ladies' classes Mm -hmm. with lady instructors, and they're very, very popular because it just changes the dynamic. And women communicate verbally differently than men do. Amen. And sometimes it's just the atmosphere and the dynamic that's a little bit changed, but it helps women become more proficient and more comfortable with the environment And they can focus then on learning what they don't know and training with someone in whom they have a lot of trust. And these nationally recognized instructors, they teach you how to survive a gunfight. That's the whole idea of carrying it is so that we survive. And there's a lot of difference in standing still, shooting at a paper target, or training, shooting, moving, going through reloading drills and things like that. Yeah, you're really talking prepper talk here, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. All right. You want to practice regularly. On the range, you need to go and shoot, and you need to do some dry fire. Now, here's a couple of suggestions that we have, and this is on firearms for prepping. And your choice depends on your personal situation and what you expect to happen in emergency situations. Now, it could be the daily personal and home defense. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen several reports Uh, over the months here lately in America where there was someone who was trained and had their concealed carry and had their weapon on them, and they actually made the difference. Perhaps they were in a restaurant or a store or somewhere where they were able to stop the threat and prevent lives from being lost because they were ready and they knew exactly what to do. Yeah, and that guy a while back that made the shot in the shopping mall and took the guy out, and I think that was at 40-something yards It was a phenomenal shot that he made. 
He didn't make that by just going to the range, buying a gun, shooting 50 rounds, and getting his permit. That guy had some skills. Now, if you're looking for that daily personal and home defense, you might want a handgun and one long gun. If you're looking at a total collapse causing you to have to hunt for food, you probably want three or four firearms, maybe the defensive handgun, and that we would say is in every category. Probably want a 22 rifle, a larger caliber hunting rifle, and maybe a shotgun. But that handgun for personal protection, you need one with which you can be proficient and that you will carry and get legal, whatever it takes. There are a lot of states, about half the states now have gone to constitutional carry, which means that you don't have to have a permit to carry. But if you're going to travel across state lines, I would really check on what states you can go to without having a permit and which ones you need to have a permit to go to. Now, there's two or three rifles that you might want to have, that 22 caliber Ruger 1022 is about as great of a semi-automatic 22 rifle as there is, but there's Remington, Winchester, and a whole lot of other folks that do some great rifles as well. You might want to have that hunting rifle of a caliber sufficient for the largest game in your area. You don't want to be hunting with something that you can't take what you might encounter. Oh, of course. So you just, exactly. If you're in southern Florida and you're close to the Everglades, you're going to need something that can shoot and kill an alligator or a big old Burmese python, because that's what you're going to find. But, I don't know what it takes to kill a Burmese python, but a twenty-two can kill an alligator, and they're hunted with twenty-twos quite a bit. Well, there you go. Of course, you got a walnut-sized area to hit, yes, to hit on yes. your head. So know, just know what you may be up against. But if it's a Burmese python, I want a fifty caliber machine gun. <laughs> Oh, I want there nothing left. Right. That tells you what I think about snakes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. You might want a sporting rifle. They're great for defense. These are the so-called assault rifles, but they're really not assault rifles. They're, no, the AR stands for just Armalite. Ugly. It stands for Armalite. Armalite. But they're ugly black rifles is what it is. And they're not ugly. Well. The com- haters are going to hate. Well, com- okay. compared to my Remington 700 BDL bolt action. It's ugly. Well, okay, I see what you mean. But I love them both. You might want a shotgun, pump, or semi-automatic. Now, 12-gauge is the most popular. It's the most versatile, but it has a sizable recoil. Boy, don't I know it. You know it, and you handed it back to me. But now, 20-gauge is good for those that are recoil-averse. That would be me. And I started hunting as a kid with a 20-gauge. And it has most of the same options as a 12-gauge, but the ammo may be a little harder to locate. We have found some of the big-box outdoor man-style stores, the uh, Bass Pro, Cabela's, places like that often have more shotgun ammo than other places. Yes, they do. Now, to own or to carry a firearm, it's a personal choice. What to own and what to carry is a matter of what best fits you. Nobody can tell you what's the best for you. But if this is something that you want to consider, do so seriously. Mm -hmm. Take some very copious notes as well. Learn something about yourself in this journey toward firearm usage and ownership and responsibility because it is serious. It has made the difference in a lot of folks in being able to be around today because they were a good guy that stopped a bad guy, you know, that had a gun. And so... We just want 
you to be able to make the decision for yourself on what your personal defense is. We respect you if you choose not to use a firearm. That's We respect that. That is your choice to make. And we appreciate your respect of our choice that we have also made that we have taken very seriously, very seriously. And so we just want to leave you with that thought that if you're going to pursue this, do it very logically, do it legally, and do it thoughtfully, and train, train, train. Never stop training. The law enforcement guys do not stop training. They train regularly, and they will train until they no longer are law enforcement officers. But I can promise you, even after they retire, they'll keep training because they know how important that is because they know out there in this world today, stuff is happening. So we all need to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info or through the website. You can also find us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.